Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome five. to Unsheathed Live number five. Five number five. High five, except we're not no. high. Anyway, uh, glad to be here. We are missing part of the Monday Night Football to be with y'all tonight. Yeah. Um, I hope you know how much we're giving to you guys. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but we do have we do have Don Ryu from Atlanta. That's so right. He's, he's representing the Falcons here. So um, we've been we've been talking a lot about what we've been up to because we did one of these last week and then we've mm-hmm. done a couple Unsheathed podcasts recently. Yeah, actual real Unsheathed podcasts that you guys may have uh, seen on our on our podcast feed. I know, and there will be another one coming up in a day or two. Um, yeah, Don Ryu, the gooey blue center of the red state. You're one of those. You're one of those forty-seven percent, right? That we've heard so much uh, about today. Too soon. Too soon. So yeah, I'm in the I'm in the second week of trying to nail down this draft of out of position three. So it's nice to be in the midst of football season while we're working on that. And tonight we're going to do some writing, and I'll yeah. probably do one of my first drafty projects because I haven't had, stretched we, my fingers on that in a we little had while. A brush with football fame this afternoon. We did. Yeah. If you didn't follow our Twitter feed, Zip. which you probably do because otherwise you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Um. We uh yeah we we go out to lunch Mondays and happen to walk by. Safeway on our way to lunch, and there was a line of people wearing 49ers jerseys. Yeah. So like, we got in line, because you know, line. Yeah. Hey, there's a line here. <laughs> something must be worth waiting for. A line of people wearing something's relevant to our interests. And uh, asked them what was going on, and it turned out that 49ers tight end Vernon Davis was going to be signing for half an hour starting five minutes from then. Yeah, so... <laughs> so we uh, got in line, despite not having brought anything for him to sign, and... They, fortunately, the promotional people at the water company that he was representing provided little posters for him to scrawl his yeah. name across. and So at least have his autograph. And he, he's, he's a very nice gentleman. Uh, he has a very a nice, sincere smile. Yeah. And I told him he had a great game last night and he shook my hand. <laughs> I'm wondering how many people in the, in the chat room right now are even... In a position to comment on uh, everybody's googling Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis. He is a he does, is a football guy. Does, does he does he get a football starnum by Joe Montana? He <laughs> plays for the Niners, right? <laughs> I remember he was in that video game. He makes the football. <laughs> <laughs> he made two footballs yesterday. He did make two footballs. <laughs> he footballed really good. Yeah, he footballed better than the other team. <laughs> And they won the football. Yeah. <laughs> yes, one team footballs, and then the other footballs. And whoever footballs more and better is is, is the football. Yes. <laughs> whoever footballs the hardest wins. So what about you? What are you going to work on tonight? Tonight I'm working on a novella that I've been tweeting about. It's a, it's a weird, not-quite-love-story about, uh, about a young dead person who uh, 
He needs to keep getting reincarnated for three months at a time until he finds true love. Awesome. Sounds entertaining. I figured that everyone always accused me of, oh, like, you just kill all of your characters. So this story, I got it over with before the story even starts. It's like, okay, look, he's dead. It's not a spoiler. Now you can keep <laughs> reading about him. Now you know what's going to happen. Or do you? Or you think you do. Uh, the other thing I've been doing lately is I was trying to be coy about this on Twitter, and then we finally reposted that one episode 91 from February, I think. Yeah. And realized I kind of already talked about it there, and it got put up on the Twitter feed, like, or not the Twitter feed, the the podcast feed, like, a day before I was trying to be all coy on Twitter. But uh, what I have been doing with some uh, some friends who will currently remain nameless, so I'll at least leave that a surprise is uh, I have, in fact, been going through and recording uh, fan commentary tracks for all of the Star Wars films. I've gotten uh, the original trilogy all out of the way, and I've gotten the, uh, the Phantom Menace done as well. Uh, I won't say what we go into, but uh, the Phantom Menace uh, commentary track, I think, came out uh, very well. And I'm looking forward to the commentary tracks for Episodes 2 and 3. Because if the Phantom Menace proved anything, it's that I've got a good group of people together to really just tear into these movies. That sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I don't know who's going to be editing them or how or what they'll be, what will be done with them. But they will, they will be available for you to download somewhere at some time, hopefully soon, hopefully sometime this fall, later this fall. I'll have to talk to the people who are in charge of production to figure out what our schedule is going to be. I'm just the talent. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That sounds pretty nifty. Yeah. Um, and as I announced on my blog and live journal, I've contracted to have an audiobook recorded of Waterways. Oh, that's right. Hopefully that should be um, out by the fall. Uh, I'm sorry, by, by winter. Um, looking at January, but possibly December. So we'll see. Um, I'm excited. It's a quick timeline, actually. Um, yeah, it's well. Some some of the people on the site are professionals, and so they have other work, but they're they're used to doing this kind of stuff. It's not like they have to figure out the equipment or anything. Uh, the guy that I contract with has a home studio, so um, he can just do his recording and do his own editing, but, you know, that's going to take him a little more time, but he'll be happier with the results. So, what um, what questions do you guys have? Yeah. I mean, if you... We're, we're here at your disposal. How are you planning on distributing the audiobook? Um, well, like I... I think I talked about this on the blog. It's, uh, it's set up through a service called ACX, which is, um, you know reasonably enough at acx.com they are a, they are provided by audible and part of the deal is you get better licensing if you go exclusively through um, Amazon audible and iTunes and acx takes care of all that distribution so they should be available on both audible and iTunes which I think probably takes care of 90 Five percent of people who buy audiobooks. Um, there you go. <laughs> if you there's a there's an option where you get less money from the royalties 
and I'm assuming that that's for people who have their own site that they want to sell the books on, and I don't really have that. I don't have any distribution mechanisms, so I'm more than happy to rely on uh, Audible and iTunes. I'm looking forward to seeing how that comes out, or hearing how it comes out, as the case may be. Yeah, I am too. Uh, Tuxwolf asks, uh, is the uh, person doing the voice, is he going to do character voices or just flat narration? Um, I've only heard a brief sample, and there wasn't, there was a little bit of dialogue in it. It sounded like he's doing, um, not entirely flat narration, but he's doing character voices kind of the way I do character voices, which is, uh, attempting to, but, you know, he's not an accomplished actor of different voice. So he'll make some voices a little higher, some a little lower, and, um... Mostly it's the, mostly it's going to be narration. He's not, I, I did not get Jim Dale to do this. <laughs> I'm ordering food! <laughs> I'm are we wearing pants? That's a mystery. It is a mystery. The plushies are not. Yeah, the plushies are pretty pantsless. But they also are still maintaining a level of decency. Well, because they're plushies. Well, yeah. That's how they do that. Man, speaking of getting oh, Atlanta back on our podcast, we need to get Don Rio back on this thing someday. <laughs> yes, for for serious. Hey, maybe when uh, maybe when we're out at FWA, we can get Don Rio on again. Oh yeah, yeah. He he can do funny voices. He can. He can do funny character voices. He can do he can do Stitch voice. Are you coming out next year, Don? Were you? You coming out for FC? He's talking about moving here, which I mean. Oh, moving! Yeah, welcome to to furry mecca. Yeah, AKA the San Francisco Bay Area. (laughs) Anyway, well, that would be very cool. We've already stolen like two or three Atlanta furs. I mean, what's one more in the pile? Exactly. In the fur pile. It's a big fur pile. Yeah. Big Atlanta fur pile. Big fur pile. With all the um, thing and scritching and okay. civet oil. Uh, who else has a question? <laughs> somebody, somebody stop me before I make a joke again. Are you going to drop any big spoilers about your upcoming release, Kyle? As I have never done in the past? Yeah, exactly. No, I have a... Um, my My kind of policy about spoilers for books is that um, they really only work when I'm trying to, and actually they don't, they don't even work then. I, I only talk a lot about what's in the book is in, uh, I'm sorry. I only talk a lot about what is going to be in the book when I don't know who is going to be out there buying it, if that makes sense. I tried to talk sort of? up Green Fairy a lot. Yeah. Because I knew people didn't know what kind of book it was going to be, and so I wanted to, I wanted to give people a sense of what it was going to be like. Um, for, for the third out of position book, uh, I have a feeling that anything that I say about what goes on in the book can almost only really have a negative effect, because people have expectations about the book, and if I say something that's in line with their expectations, they're going to buy it anyway. And if I say something that's not in line with their expectations, then suddenly they're like, Oh, I don't know how, I don't know how that's going to work out. And so suddenly instead of 
trust in me as an author and trust in the story, they're imagining things that may not even be in the book based on things that I say about the book. Yeah, I was. I never understood when like TV shows make announcements like, "Oh yeah, and like in our new season, like here's something that happens in episode three. It's like, why? Why are you telling us that in advance? Well, I think then it's it's kind of to get people to watch it. If it's not, yeah, but... if it's already a popular show, then they kind of they want to keep viewership. And if if there's like a big event they're building up towards, I mean, the the exception right, to then, that, then, then then build up to it. Don't tell me what it is. The um, if if any of you guys have not read Harry Potter book five and or seen the movie and don't want it spoiled, uh, I will do my best not to spoil it, but you might want to like not listen for the next two or three minutes. Um, Massive spoiler alert. Except not really. But uh, J.K. Rowling talked a lot when she was writing book five about how painful it was to kill off one of her characters in that book. She talked about it very publicly. Yeah. More so than she talked about killing off characters in other books where she killed off characters. Right. And after reading book five, part of the reason, I think, for that was to increase the tension that people had in reading the book. It wasn't to warn people that somebody died because the end of book four already did that. Right. Because a lot of major characters almost die in book five. Right. So every time something happens, like, is this it? Right. Because she was fighting against the perception where she'd written four books, and she said, okay, well, there's, you know, I killed a character at the end of book four, but it wasn't a major character, and people probably still have the impression that the major characters are kind of safe. And by talking about the fact that she killed off a major character in book five, she made every time one of those characters was in peril much more serious to the reader because suddenly the reader was like, is this the time? Is this the time? And so she was able to... So she, I think she did that very deliberately in order to change people's experiences reading the book. Um, I don't have... Uh, I don't have an agenda like that for Out of Position yeah. 3. <laughs> and in fact, the only spoiler that I will give for Out of Position 3 is not a spoiler. It's just that um, keep in mind that there is an Out of Position 4. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and that this is not the end of the series. Oh. oh. It says very upcoming release he meant Winter Games. <laughs> well, he let me go on for about 10 minutes without <laughs> correcting that. Um I don't know if I'll post spoilers. I'll probably post um, snippets. I'll post like the beginning of the book. If I I don't remember if I did that already, but I'll probably I'll post the beginning so people have an idea about it. Um, that's one that I've already talked a little bit about it, and people have seemed interested by the idea. So, but I do want to post um, something from the beginning of the book, and I'll probably do that um, before. People leave for rain first, but not too much before. So maybe end of next week or end of this week, beginning of next week. It's funny. Uh, just real quick, getting back to the uh, character death thing, um, it's sort of the inverse effect of what happened with uh, Star Trek II: The Search for Spock, mm. where it had been leaked that Spock was going to die in the movie, and in order to combat that. 
Uh, that's part of where the Kobayashi Maru training sequence at the beginning comes from. Is because during this, you don't know it's a training sequence when you first see the movie. And part of this scenario is that, you know, at one point you see Spock die in, like, this explosion on the bridge. And then afterwards it's revealed, like, oh, okay, like, it was all just a training exercise. But, you know, the, the people went going that here, like, oh, yeah, they heard Spock dies in this movie. Like, they have that moment. It's like, oh, it was all just a setup. And then now that thought is out of their mind for the rest of the movie. Right. And so they're, then, now they're not waiting the whole movie for it to happen. And then when it comes out, it happens again. It's a surprise again. So... Um, but yes, Winter, Winter Games. Oh, did I say Search for Spock? Yeah, sorry, they're at the con. Sorry. Yes. I was, because I was talking about Spock. I know, I know all my Star Trek movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, God. Uh, See, this is why I always talk about Star Wars instead. This is two podcasts in a row where I've talked about Star Trek instead of Star Wars. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Um. Not a blasphemer. Winter, Winter Games is ripe for spoilers. I will not be releasing any of them, although... It's kind of hard to talk about it at all without doing that. People tend to assume that what this of people tend to assume what the central romance of the book is, and you know I can't do a whole lot about that. <laughs> the one with the whales, yes, yes. Star Trek Four. <laughs> In retrospect, Kirk saying that Spock did too much LDS. Yeah. Is kind of amusing. Yes. You mean he's a Mormon? Yes. <laughs> mm. But I'm I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Buck. Winter Games, that is, not Star Trek Four. Although I assume you enjoyed Star Trek Four also, because everyone kind of did. Yeah, because that's the that's the funny, lighthearted one after the two really serious, depressing ones. Right. Um, but yeah, in general, I don't I don't like to post spoilers or too much about the books because again. It gets people kind of writing the, their own book in the he, in their head, yeah. and rather than experiencing the book um, as I wrote it. Yeah, and as I've said before a lot, I'm sure I don't even like to read the back covers of books before I read them. In fact, I usually won't read what the back cover blurb is until I'm at least halfway through a book. Yeah, just, whereas Kit just, turns right to the last page. I can. I don't know how people can do that. That like the idea just infuriates me. Tell Kid he's wrong. You can. He's right there in the chat. Uh, yeah, he's, it looks like he's still there. Smock dies in Winter Games. Yes. Stop spoiling my book! Damn it. Ah, people. Someone else ask a question. Yes. What's a good length for an intro chapter? As long as it needs to be. Yeah. That's, not, that's not me trying to be sarcastic. That's just my honest answer. Yeah, we, we, we kind of... Give that and people ask us this question yeah. more than you how would imagine. How long should X be? How long should a novel be? How long should uh, each chapter in a book be? How long should such and such be? And you know, honestly, read a lot of books and see what they do with their interchapters. Yeah. And sometimes they're like two pages. Sometimes they're very. I mean, the intro chapter to Red Mars, for instance, is very long and detailed, and it does a lot of big setup. Right. Whereas, like. But the that's intro- Kim Stanley Robinson. Right. And then the intro chapter to, you know, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is very concise. But also does a lot of setup, actually. But it does also do a lot of it setup. It does a lot. It's a hard-working chapter. Um, yeah. Um, it really, it depends on the pace of the rest of the story and also I mean, how quickly do you want to get into the action. Uh, I would Mostly, I would caution against just 
using your intro chapter to dump backstory on the reader. <clears throat> Don't do that. It's almost never a good idea to do that. And right. if you think it's important, it probably isn't. Yeah. Uh, Life of Pi, somebody mentions Life of Pi, the summary read summary. And it's also would make a really neat uh, end-of-game haiku for Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> um, it's... I mean, I think... I read, I mean, I read Life of Pi because a lot of people told me, it's a good book, you should read it. And I wasn't disappointed. And actually... I picked it up with sort of a a little bit of a jaded feel because I had heard that it was yeah. about religion, and as soon as you dive into it, you're kind of like, um, oh, it is about religion. And I'm wary of books that have a religious message, but as it turned out, I actually really liked the message and the way it presented the message, and it has it actually made me think about a lot of things. Not necessarily reconsider my faith or anything, but... But, you know, worth, worth going over. But definitely a, a neat book. Somebody here made a comment about, oh, just do, do what James Patterson does and have your chapters be really short. Um, I'm, I'm going to disagree. There's a reason that James Patterson's chapters are short like that. Is it's because the books are designed to be able to be read in short increments. And it's a, it's a consideration of, of pacing. If nothing else, it ensures that you're having things happen on a regular and consistent basis. Yeah, also also kind of be wary of saying, don't do what this New York Times best-selling author yeah. does. <laughs> Make sure <laughs> you don't you, do what this guy who <laughs> makes more money than you ever will writing does with his things. Because, God forbid, you wouldn't want to be that successful. Yeah. <laughs> a hey. rabbit, a priest, and a reverend walk into a house. Rabbi. <laughs> it's funnier with rabbit. That... I, that's the second time I've run into that, like, this, like, today. Like, the rabbi-priest thing, but somebody mistyped it as rabbit. Either that or I'm having really weird deja vu, but I know I'm not. <laughs> oh, Don Ryu, books are not hard. Books are your friends. Oh, gosh. I forgot to silence my phone. I'm sorry. <sighs> I usually do better. I'm sorry. Wow, what four books are you reading? Okay, so I, actually, I, I can since nobody's asking anything, I'll talk about what I'm reading right now. Okay. Um, I'm reading a, a very cool fantasy book called The Grass King's Concubine oh, yes. by Carrie Sparing, K-A-R-I Sparing. And it it's kind of funny because I picked it up at Worldcon, uh, towards the end of Worldcon, because she was I had heard about her and heard a couple people praise the, praise her writing in general. And then... She happened to be sitting around uh, at an autograph session, and nobody was there for a good chunk of it. And so I ran over to see if anyone had one of her books and, and grabbed it. But it was interesting because I had just been in a panel where um, I was talking uh, – some people were talking about dissecting stories and language and all that. And I wanted to ask if any of them have experienced the same thing I have, where it's much harder to find a book that you actually really, really like now – that after you've studied the craft for a while. And it's kind of like when you study screenplays and film theory, it's much harder to go to a movie and really enjoy a movie. Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's harder. You can still go enjoy movies for what they are, but you find yourself sort of picking at them. And the same happens for me with books, where I'll read a book and I'll be like, well, this is pretty good, but this, but that, etc. And, um... But Carrie Sparing's uh, Grass King's Concubine actually is a fantasy that really 
grabbed me and engaged me. And the language is beautiful. The writing is really very good. The characters are fun and engaging as well. And I'm just having a really good time with the book. I keep wanting to go back and pick it up and read more. My whole thing is I need to try to find time to reread Cloud Atlas before the movie drops next month. Yes, and everybody should read Cloud Atlas if you're going to go see the movie. But maybe go after the movie, because I heard the movie is different. Yeah. And it might make well, the book a little more... Once. Well, it might make the book a little more accessible if you already know the plot. That's um, true. It's not an easy... It isn't an easy book. Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I want to I touch briefly on Don Ryu reading Sherlock Holmes. Um, I love all the Sherlock Holmes stories, Donnie, and I will be intrigued to know which ones stand out to you. But anyway, yes, go on with uh, Tux's question. Yes, he asks, uh, do you feel an increase in pressure every time you write a book in the Out of Position series? Like, you know, the, the expectations on you. And... Um, I do, kind of. Uh, it was funny with, and I talked about this with sequels, but when I released Out of uh, when I released Isolation Play, my big worry was Out of Position was so popular that I was worried Isolation Play wouldn't stand up to it, and people would say, oh, it's a letdown. And But I kind of, in a vague general way, have that worry like every time I release a book. Because you look at other authors, and there's authors who, whose careers have really distinct trajectories where... They have a peak with one book for whatever reason. It just happened to hit at the right time and the right public and everything. And then the books that come after may be technically better, but just don't have that same appeal for whatever reason. And I always worry that um, like the next book I put out won't be as good as the previous ones. And I especially worry about that with the Out of Position universe because those characters are so important to lots of people and me included and I don't want to be writing stories that don't do them justice so I feel like if I just put out a crappy book that's a standalone crappy book people would be like oh, okay well whatever you can have a pass on that but if I put out a standalone crappy book <laughs> yeah it's cool you wrote like a crappy book but whatever whatever um, but if I put out a bad out of position book then that would be uh, a tough one so I'm putting a lot of work into this one to make it not suck. And Cam has read an early draft of it. So. I have, and you've actually told me some of the things you've changed uh, since I've read it, and I'm actually really excited to see how that plays out. I think that what you've told me about what you want to do, I think, will only make it better. So. Oh, good. I hope so. All right, well, we're at half an hour, so... Thank you guys for showing up again. Um, good to see familiar faces like Don Ryu and Kit Silver on for, I think, the first time. Was Don Ryu on one of our previous ones? I think this is the first time I've seen him on one. Uh, in the stream, yes. In the stream, yeah. And, uh, and of course, all of the other people that we are getting to know. Uh, Buck, I think, uh, Confused is also his first time in the stream. Yeah, I, haven't, I don't recall having seen him in there before either. Um, but it is, as always, it is as always a pleasure to chat with all of you guys, and uh, we are going to run off and have our thanks for the thanks for the awesome questions. <laughs> that daughter is saying you need to dress better for the next one. Like, what? Look at the oh, Buck has been here before. Oh, see, sorry. that's what I get for not watching the stream. Oh, but You're the one recently. who's always in it. Oh, okay. 
We were sort of doing them irregularly for a while. All right, guys. Take care. And thank you for coming by, seriously. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And good night, y'all.